this nation in the past year. All the injustices among African Americans, I do not believe in the star-spangled banner as of today. Like he said that he will continue to do this until he sees change. Now, he receives a whole lot of criticism for this move. He's not the first one, he's not the first professional athlete to protect, protest. Um, uh, of course, there was Muhammad Ali, uh, John Carlos and Lee Evans. Uh, they're the two gentlemen that put the black power uh, fist up in the air during the 1968 Olympics. And they really had a hard time. Hey, hey, you know, Mom, let me tell you something about Muhammad Ali. He's loved, he's beloved now. At one time in this country, this man was the most hated man in this country. I, I mean, he was, he did not box for three years. And they weren't going to let him. I mean, his case went all the way to the Supreme the Supreme Court. Now, commentators, sports commentators, sports hosts, criticize the today athletes. We don't hear their voice. They don't take a stand. All, all they worry about is their uh, endorsements and their lifestyle, their automobiles, their bling. Their, their mansions, and their women. They make today's black athlete that uh, make it feel that they are not attached to what's, the, what's going on in the African-American community. And I just want to straighten everyone out. 90% of African-American athletes today come from our neighborhoods predominantly black neighborhoods. And they can't forget overnight some of the ills that have been bestowed on them as men, as black men in America. And you'd be surprised the number of athletes in the last two years have spoken out. Chris Paul or the Clippers Wayne Wade, now playing for Chicago in his hometown. LeBron James, I, I mean, with with the brother from Staten Island that got choked, uh, they said, I can't breathe for Lucy's. For those that don't smoke, Lucy's, you know, you buy cigarettes, two for a dollar, dollar, whatever. I don't know what the rate is now, but, uh, oh. So, now when the athletes take a stand, they get criticized. Their endorsements are in danger. So let's give these brothers a break and I guess have a ride. Good evening. Uh, is this Professor Swain? Hello? No. Hello? Yes, this is Professor Swain. Yes, this is Professor Swain. Yes, this is Professor Swain. 
Hello? Sorry. Is this Professor Carol Swain? No, it's not. I'm sorry. Oh, 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 oh. I thought, I don't know enough. Oh, so you're listening to the show? Yes. Okay. Uh, would you like to make a comment on just what I just said? Or do you have a question? No, I'm just listening. Sorry. Oh, that's okay. Sorry about that, folks. Uh, again, let's get back to the black athlete of today. Now, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was an activist. Jim Brown was an activist. Matter of fact, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar still is an activist because whatever something go down with with one of the uh, uh, athletes, he is called upon. So I say, like, why do we have to criticize these athletes for taking a stand? Especially what's going on in today's environment with the political environment with Donald Trump, with the shootings of black and the shootings of black men, and that's been going on since I was a child and in my father days and my father father days. So that is nothing new, and but. The black athlete or the and the black entertainer have always been involved in our struggles. And and, and I think what today's entertainers like uh Beyonce wearing all the uh the paying tribute to the Black Panthers in her in, in her outfit during the Super Bowl, she got heavily criticized. Uh, also with uh game and, um, and I was surprised at this. With Snoop, a gang led a protest march in L.A., bringing the Bloods and the, and, and the Crips together and, and speaking out against police shootings. That was a very powerful uh, statement by those two young men. Um, but, oh, Kaepernick, bold, bold, bold move. And personally, I agree with it. Why should we stand up and put our hands over our heart for a hypocritical song and a hypocritical uh, uh, anthem? And when uh, Joe Scott uh, 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 wrote the song, he was a slave owner. Most of the officers in the Continental Army back then were slave owners also. They just weren't the Confederates. Slaves was owned from from all through the 13 colonies, throughout the 13 colonies. So uh, let's not be naive and, and, and let's not be, I mean, yes, we have to love that. Also, I have to say this, there are thousands of veterans black and white, that support capitalism. Both. So I say to you that uh, this is a good thing by um, by uh, Colin, and, uh, and I know he might not even start because of this move, uh, because he's been on the fire, he's been injured, but he's the last quarterback in the San Francisco 
San Francisco organization that led them to a Super Bowl. They did not win and lost against the Baltimore Ravens uh, a couple years back. But he's the last one that led them to the Super Bowl. So uh, uh, some commentators said that, oh, he should get gave heads up to his teammates. The shit gave heads up to the organization. What? No. You know what they would have done? And let me tell you something about NFL locker room. It's a lot of peer. It's a high-level, intense peer pressure. And let me tell you this. If Kaepernick would have told any of his teammates what he was going to do, he wouldn't have done it. He would have been talked out. He would have sat down with his quarterback coach, the head coach, the GM, GM is general manager, the president, and the owner. And they probably would have, like, threatened him. See, if you do this, this will happen. Now it's done. Now, a lot of, a lot of sports commentators well say uh, he has that right. To protest. This is what this country is about. So why are they giving him all the flat? If you have a right to protest, and you know, and, and, and you can tell by a lot of these commentators, the way they talk about they agree with them, but they can't say it on air. Only two people, two sports commentators said this, that they agree with him on air and justify his actions. That's Stephen A. Smith, uh, first take, and the brother that come on sports reporters on Sunday. Matter of fact, he did a documentary on the old Negro baseball league and how baseball is trying to sweep them under the carpet. But um, I forgot the brother's name. So Try to find that. Um, so I said that um, kudos, great, and I bet you. If he continues his stance, they have no no other choice but to but to continue the discussion. It's one thing about traditional media. After a week or two, it's it's swept on the rug. It's put in the folds, and 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 they move on to the next story. When the last time you heard about police shootings? Now, the the new uh, uh, discussion is killings, black-on-black killings, black-on-black crime. Uh, They had a big, um, Stephen A. had a big uh, show in Chicago about two weeks ago called the Wayne Wade, who is, uh, 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 he used to be with uh, Miami, and now he's with Chicago Bulls. He's um, his cousin got shot, got killed in Chicago, and it was a media outburst. I mean, oh, like and if it wasn't Dwayne Wade, we never would have heard about him. So what I'm trying to say is that we have to continue the discussion. We have to uh, uh, to make sure that uh, 
we make sure that uh, that discussion, that the issues don't be swept under the rug until the next time. Yes, we have a problem with violence in our community. Yes, violence should be on the uh, uh, on the table as to how can we stop so much violence in our community. I mean, it's violence everywhere. Black on black, law enforcement on black, white on black. I mean, it's like it's open season. It's open season. And we and it appears that these communities, people in our communities are like sitting in, locking their doors. I don't see nothing. I don't hear nothing. Hey, this is a serious issue. We have to get our heads out of the sand and speak out. And, you know, the only time a family, to be honest with you, only time most families speak out is when they are affected. When one of their family members uh, is shot, when one of their family members is killed by a police officer. Until then, no action, they don't know anything, but now, all of a sudden, now they want to be involved. Okay, I got a lot of passion, compassion for these families that lose loved ones, whether by our hands or the police hands. But let's not wait to hit home. Let's not wait. Everyone should be involved. We should have 100% participants. That's the reason why the gangs in our neighborhoods are so out of control. It's because we don't speak out, because we don't try to do anything. That's how come police officers get away with murder. Murder. Why? Because we're not involved. We don't speak out. We don't have a sit-down with the, with the officials for the changing of policy. We don't even want to be involved in any of the systems that are in our communities. Why are these systems? Political system, the educational system. The educational system in, in predominantly black communities are failing. Are failing. I don't know the exact statistic. I used to know off the top of my head, but I know it's over 70%. That means seven out of ten black communities in the United States of America are failing. And these schools have black teachers. These schools have black principals. These schools have black superintendents. But they are failing. There are many uh, theories or hypotheses about the reason why these schools are failing. There's not enough resources. The teacher, teaching methods are outdated. They don't have the materials. They came into, in some neighborhoods, they have, students are sharing books. But my God, they was doing that 50 years ago. The only thing that has gotten better in schools and predominantly black neighborhoods 
are the salaries of the teachers. Salaries of the teachers. And and in the uniforms that the kids got to wear, they said cut course and what have you. The parents don't have to go out and buy all these school clothes, what have you. Have you seen the course of the pants and the shirts that these kids have? You might as well go buy your own clothes. So that's what I want to say about that, about Colin Kaepernick. I mean, big ups to him. I wish I could get him on the show. I might get lucky to get one of his uh, people on the show. Uh, Because, you know, quarterbacks in the league, they have uh, their own staff, their own staff and what have you, ballet, staffs, and what have, what have you. Well, did you hear about Trump visiting this all-black church in Detroit? I really was taken back. I mean, I'm not going to criticize anyone on their political beliefs. If you're a Republican, you're a Republican. If you're if you're a Democrat, you're a Democrat. If you're a libertarian, you're a libertarian. If you're a conservative, you're a conservative. Liberal, progressive, what have you. I say this that let me tell you something about a little background with Trump. Trump was raised in the community in Queens, New York, that black people didn't live. I don't think, I, I bet you believe that Trump didn't start associating with black folks well into his adulthood. You understand? I just want to know. For the last year, you have been speaking out against different cultures, including African-American. You have made jokes about Africa. For example, there go my one African-American friend. Hey, there goes another African-American over there at the rally. You made a joke and mockery out of this, and you have the audacity change up and reach out for the black vote. And we're fools to fall for it. I mean, come on, guys. How long we going to fall for the same old move? At least I can say this about Hillary. When Hillary was the first lady, she had sisters around her. She she kind of uh, uh, encouraged Bill to, to to have uh, uh, black folks in his, uh, I don't know about in his cabinet. So I can't say Hillary is a racist. I can say this: she had her issues too with the African American community. Look what they did to the public welfare system. Look what they did to the criminal justice system and the law. At least. Bill, I got to give love to him. At least he has said this, that he didn't know. 
you were going off for advice. And you have to understand this. When Bill Clinton became president, we had just came out the 80s. A lot of violence, a lot of crack destroyed. Matter of fact, there are still black communities in the United States of America that never bounced back from the crack epidemic. Now, we didn't start the crack epidemic. We all know who started the crack epidemic, right? And I don't want to sound like a, a, uh, a conspiracy, uh, uh, you know, controversial experience. It's on record, Ronald Reagan. And his gang, Ali, Ali North. Uh, a seller weapons for cocaine. And flooded the whole West Coast region. Employed black gang bangers, gang members, to sell this crack, and crack cocaine. And that's when the violence reached at all-time high. And continue and continue and continue and continue. So, they didn't think about treatment back then. What they thought about was law enforcement. The DEA was uh, uh, invented. Uh, tobacco and firearms was invented. There's a lot of there's a lot of uh, divisions. In law enforcement that that was started due to the crack cocaine and and their monies depend on the drugs in our community. If we didn't have drugs in the community, we wouldn't have a need for the DEA. But now, you know, it didn't only affect our community. It affect a whole lot of communities. White folks were smoking crack too. Latinos were smoking crack too. Jewish folks were smoking crack. Everybody was smoking crack. And a lot of people got affected. And again, I'm going to say this. There are communities in this country that haven't bounced back from from um, from the crack epidemic of the 80s. So Bill thought what he did was the right thing to do, but the incarceration, the unfair incarceration of black men to white men since those new laws that Bill Clinton passed have affected us too. Losing 10 years of your life, 15 years, can never get these years back. One point one million fathers, black fathers, that were taken from their family, that been locked up for decades over crack for selling crack. Now the average first offender get probation. The average second and third offender, they get like three years, and it's cut in half due to good behavior. Guys was given the max. They were sent to federal prisons as well as state prisons because 
was really crack cocaine had infiltrated our community so deep. It affected everyone. Everyone. Government, business, everything. Then it created a new phenomenon. Black flight. If you had a good paying job, if you was a professional, you was moving away. You didn't want your kids to be subject to killing. You didn't want your kids to die. You didn't want your kid to get involved. So with all this black fright going on, and the only time they'll come back to the community is to go to church or maybe visit, maybe, maybe to visit a relative. Well, that's what I have for you this evening. My guest, Professor Cal and Swain, did not show up this evening. That's okay. But I had a conversation with you. You know, at uh, next week, we have a good show. Uh, Miss Flowers should be, Miss Michelle Flowers should be joining us. And also, my new co host, Tammy uh, Cassell uh, from. Uh, California, who will be joining us. And uh, and there you have it. So, we have another week. So I say to you, farewell. I am because we are. We are because I am. So many kids of depression make decisions. The better living type of place to raise Open the eyes to the boxes. So it's foul, but I'm a squad with the whole house. Put the gold child, see it thick like I was controlling. Put the gold in. Trigger sick kids on kids. Still holding. Push the tablets. I sit alive and be savage. Give one shot. I turn twice like the lavish. Political Britain is set free. Stress free. No work for me. Perk on the three to jet me. Still the wind breeze. The wet tent. I ain't prepared. I can't make it. Yeah. <laughs>